Good evening and welcome everyone to the video version of Saturday Night Supper Club. I wish I could say it's good to see you again, but I miss you all a bunch. For those who may be new to this group, my name is Bob Holloway, and I'm a member of this community of believers. Over the past uh, few months, I've been sheltering in place, and uh, most of the ministry I've been involved with has been relegated to um, counseling individuals and couples by way of either FaceTime or Zoom or sometimes mask-to-mask one-on-one um, sessions. So recently, as I was preparing for an appointment, it occurred to me that the subject I was studying was one that I've not taught on for some time. So I, I spoke with Paula and asked her if I might bring this message from maybe my counseling perspective. Uh, the subject tonight is on the issue of forgiveness. So I've taught on this subject for years, and first um, in marriage ministry and then later in a recovery program that led, I led for some time. Along the way, I've encountered some a number of glitches and obstacles in the, the teaching, what I would call um, effective, uh, life-producing forgiveness. Most of what people know about forgiveness has come from books or sermons or personal ministry from other believers. And most of those encounters are brief, uh, limited uh, in their teaching regarding what I call uh, process. Uh, so as I met with these people over the years, it became evident that many of them were really getting free from their wounds uh, and abuses. And most of what had been done was mostly done through uh, the obedience of the word. But without much understanding. they were There was some sense of freedom, but they had moved into a place where they were um, fully uh, experiencing what I would call effective forgiveness. Uh, I pray today that this will help you in the understanding in a way uh, which forgiveness might, can be processed. So let me start with uh, by looking at the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 6. See, in this chapter, he was teaching uh, his disciples how to pray. And among other things, he included his thoughts on the subject of forgiveness. Uh, in verse 12, he says, Father, forgive us of the wrongs we've done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And then in verse 14, and when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. And then there's this word of caution. And um, this is uh, this is verse 15, and I'll just explain it in a minute. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your father withholds forgiveness from you. Now, that's a statement that nearly always confuses people. Would God withhold forgiveness from us? That's a strange statement for sure. No wonder there's been such a controversy over this verse uh, throughout the years. I'll, I'll not get into that tonight, but can we conclude at least, at the very least, on uh, one thing? If we don't forgive others, then something uh, gets lost or goes missing in our relationship with God. I think that's clear. So to clarify, forgiveness is not something that is merely a prayer or of saying uh, certain words with great determination and will. It definitely starts there, but it's much more effective if we understand what we're saying. Uh, let me begin by saying there's a certain um, 
order of forgiveness, a sequence or connecting the dots from the beginning to the end. Forgiveness is more than just repeating a prayer that you aren't quite sure you agree with. <laughs> forgiveness has an order. Let me develop that with you for a minute. Uh, for years, I led a, a recovery group that met in s small uh, gender-specific groups. And once or twice a year, I would be invited into the women's group to teach on certain topics that were difficult for the lay leaders to navigate. One of those topics was uh, the theme of forgiveness. I knew in advance that when I presented the subject of forgiveness to women who had been battered and abused, it would not be received well. Most of them would rather have justice and revenge than what I was offering. So I had to teach through this subject step by step so they would know what was being done in the process and they could accept it, understand it, and agree with it as we move from step to step. And each succeeding thought then engaged them with the next and they were able to move through the process to a place where they were able to get freedom. Let me give you a summarized version of what I taught those wonderful, courageous women. My notes are taken largely from the book uh, The Cure by John Lynch. And as usual, I've, I've taken some certain liberties with the material, including some, uh, some personal notes and some biblical references that were not part of the original. And the teaching uh, was entitled The Order of Forgiveness. So as far back as the Old Testament, even in the book of Proverbs, um, Solomon saw the truth about forgiveness. He wrote this, don't say I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. So according to the wisest man of his time, getting even is never the answer. Solomon's biblical counsel is to let the Lord handle these matters of abuse or injustice. Um, that in itself is it's a good thought, but it doesn't seem to bring us to the place we want to be in forgiveness. Fortunately, um, in the New Testament, there's a much more fully developed view of forgiveness I'd like to consider tonight. Um, first of all, Paul addressed this um, this process somewhat in his uh, letter to the Philippians in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. He says, So then, my dear ones, just as you've always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation. Well, this is the Amplified, and so it's going to be a little, little wordier, but it does develop the thought and the meaning of the words. In other words, they talk about this work out your salvation and put in parentheses, they say, that is cultivated. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity. And so there's, there's this thought that that there's something we do in this development of becoming mature Christians is called working out our salvation. It means to cultivate the work that God has for us in the moment, to bring it to a full effect, to um, develop it into a place of maturity. And, and that's, for most people, it's overwhelming. There's just more than we can do. Um, we, we realize our, our limitations and there's just something that, that needs to be said. And Paul says it in verse 13. He says, for it is not your strength, but it is God who's effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. And so he gives you both the longing and the ability to fulfill this working out of your salvation. See, when we're hurt 
But others, something happens inside us that goes to the heart. And if we don't deal with the emotions and beliefs that come from those injuries, we can end up suffering all our lives. Uh, to make it worse, we're not the only ones who suffer. Everyone around us hurts when we hurt, um, either because they love us and they see us in pain or because we flail out in our behavior and hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. That's a, that's a true statement. So this working out of salvation is something that God does in us now, by giving us uh, both the will and the power to cultivate and bring our spiritual lives to maturity. Now, as that regards forgiveness, the working out of our salvation is something that takes a, a front row seat in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is a big deal to God, and it is foremost in his priorities. Jesus taught on this with great power and urgency. I've heard people preach everything on this subject. But I've come to the conclusion there's a process to forgiveness. And oh, there's no doubt that it involves the will of the person to release someone else with all their heart. But it is nearly always more than just a simple prayer. Every process begins with a start or a point of origin. For us, that's stopping to deal with our pain and then moving through some steps of agreement with God that begins to set our heart free. So let me describe that process for you. Recently, I read this post. I thought that really gave language to this point about forgiveness. This is what the writer posted. I never knew how strong I was until I had to forgive someone who wasn't sorry and accept an apology I never received. Isn't that the truth? Forgiveness is always a subject that's first and foremost a matter between you and God. It's a vertical relationship. It's a me and heaven relationship. It's not about the horizontal relationship with mankind. This is about me and God doing business on an issue that's caused me to be a prisoner. So how do we do that? How, what's the first the first place we began is to address the question of denial. We begin in these points, and there's four of them that I'll deal with tonight. The first is point one. I have to admit that something happened. There was injury. There was something that was done by someone that hurt me, that caused me to hold unforgiveness. See, I cannot forgive until I admit that I've been sinned against. This is an invitation to stop hiding the sin or um, that someone else has committed against me. I to forgive, I must admit that what is already true without apology or spin or prejudice or even a revised history on what should have been, what should have been. Just the truth. So I come to grips with the fact that I'm in this place, in this condition, in this pain because something happened. Point two, I must get in touch with the consequences of the act that was done against me. See, the, the consequences or the effect that go out in my life sometimes are worse than the original event. In order to understand how this um, had an effect on me, I need to connect with how that event is impacting my daily life or has affected it. Have I experienced shame? Have I become fearful? Have I felt demeaned or devalued? Has this changed how I see myself or my attitude 
attitude toward things like love, trust, friendship, or even God? What is the ongoing residue or fallout of this experience in my life? Okay, so I, I have come to grips that something happened. I get in touch with the consequences of what that act had in my life, and I move to point three. It's time for me now to pour out my heart to God and to tell him, as best I can, exactly what happened to me. But not only the facts. This is, this is um, where we began to gather ourselves together, and we express ourselves in a way that... Um, really reveals every level of what we feel about this injury. You might begin by describing the scene um, complete with all the trappings of how old you were and what was the atmosphere. Put yourself there in that painful moment. Be that person who was hurt and give yourself a voice that tells God what happened. This time I, I include what lives in my heart, whatever feels right to me, so I must excavate every effect and emotion I've buried about um, this sin against me, or if I don't, it will remain stuck deep within me. So you might begin by describing the scene as you experienced it at that age. Use those words to build a story in whatever way it seems right to you. Remember, this is you telling your side of the story, your perspective to God without judgment. He's listening to every word you say. So this allows us to open our heart to be seen clearly by the Lord. So there's nothing left unsaid, nothing that's unexamined or unnoticed. The, the cleansing, deliverance, and purging must be as complete as it can be for my part. This is a mysterious, beautiful part of your interaction with God. I say that because something happens as we express ourselves to him uh, without the filters and the guarding our hearts, it was just honest with him. It's reclaiming the truth of your relationship with him. For the first time, maybe in a long time, you may begin to feel heard or known and validated and safe. And let me tell you, that experience alone is the cause for a great deal of healing. Point four. You must move now to actually do something with this. You have to actually move into the place where we begin to forgive the offender. And this, let me just say, this is not for their benefit. This is for yours. This is done for your sake. It's for your health, for your future. So first, before God, I forgive the offender or offenders for what they've done and for the consequences they've borne in my life. And this is before God, and it's for my sake. This does, let me just say this, and this, these answers come because of all the questions I've heard over the years. This doesn't let anyone off the hook. It does not excuse any action. It does not restore a relational forgiveness to the other person. This is between you and God, it doesn't involve this other person at this point. Restoration in the relationship is another issue altogether. And we'll look at that at an appropriate time. This is a vertical transaction. It's a choice to free myself and to begin my healing. So 
trusting God's character, his strength, his love, his protection, I place the entire list of consequences and loss into his hands. Actually, imagine removing every effect of that sin from my heart. All the feelings and the memories and, and the facts and the, everything about that, and I place it onto God. I hand over everything. And at this point, I have to determine that I'm, I, I'm going to trust God that he won't mock me or belittle me or look away in disgust or pretend that this is not real. So other people might do that, but God doesn't do that. I trust he will protect me. He will defend my heart and he will ultimately bring beauty out of hurt. I trust too that he will cleanse me as he promised. I actually must choose to give up my rights to decide what is best because I can't possibly know what is right in this situation because of the pain and the offense that I'm carrying. It's apparent to everyone in my life. I cannot see clearly through my pain. My job is to trust God to do what is right. And in all sincerity, I'm handing the case over to the only just judge who can see the entire story. Only then will I be freed to release my offender. So I'm placing this in God's hands. I'm leaving it there. I'm trusting he'll do what's right. And I'm putting, putting myself in his care. Now, let me say this. Just a note here. If I don't get this right, if I try to shortcut this or not move through this in this order, if I attempt to maybe forgive someone prematurely without first coming to God and getting clean before him, without this opening of my heart, I, I, if I try to move toward my offender, I will find myself with veiled bitterness and judgment and spirit of retribution in my heart, and it won't go well. It's best to get this clean before we ever talk to this other person, if we do. If I say I'm not going to forgive until he repents, I will certainly end up in resentment. It's, it's a law. In my unwillingness to forgive before God, then I become the issue. And because most people honestly don't know how to navigate this process, I've taken a, a sample prayer. I've unpacked it so that people might understand what they're, what they're saying to God, and they can think about the words as they move through them with understanding and agreement. So let me walk you through this prayer. It's just a model prayer for forgiveness. It begins with the, a simple, once again, a simple confession of truth, our truth. We start with just admitting, Lord Jesus, I am powerless to forgive. I can't do this. I've tried, and it simply won't go away. It comes back on me time and time again. I don't have the power, the desire, or the will to forgive unless you help me. This next thing we might say is something like this. Lord, um, my flesh wants vengeance and justice, and, and yet... Uh, I know it is your will that I forgive. I know that. And how do I know that? Because the instructions of Jesus in Matthew 6, when he said, when you pray, pray like this. Forgive us the wrongs we've done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. So 
we might continue in the prayer by saying, Father, in the same way you have forgiven my offenses, I choose. This, this is not involving our emotions. This is a choice of our will. I choose right now to forgive my offender. Now stop and think about that for a moment. How, how has God forgiven you? Get in touch with what he's done by forgiving you so that you remember the power of his forgiveness toward you. How did you feel in that moment when you felt God's forgiveness? How has it played out in your life as you've seen him forgive you time and time again? Acts 10 says, everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins through the power of his name. Try to describe how, describe how he has <clears throat> completely forgiven you. What does that mean, completely? What have you experienced in your heart and soul? So get that awareness. And when you're ready, you can move to this next part of the prayer. <clears throat> As you give the responsibility of, um, of this injustice and the need for retribution into God's care. And we begin by saying something like this. Father, I release this person, and you put their name in there, into your hands. I give up every right and sense of entitlement to harbor any resentment. I turn this person completely over to you. And say it out loud I, I, so that it becomes a declaration of your intent. We have to start here with a choice. And the emotions will catch up. God comes to meet us in a place of choice, and he initiates this in our heart, we respond to that initiation and he empowers our will to completion. So no longer will I carry this poison within my heart. Today I release the injustice and I release this person into your hands. The next step is into our higher place with God. This is when we declared our intent and we've given our will, and now there's something we must do with this. At this point, the Lord wants us to begin to address this injustice in another way. And this is where your prayer takes on a new life, as you choose to declare your blessing on this person's life. Now, in nearly everyone I've ever counseled, or ministered to has had difficulty with this. And so don't feel like this, you're alone. How do you turn to someone who has hurt you deeply and bless them? Well, it might come across hypocritical or shallow. Until we determine how we're going to do that with where we can be and, and say it and really mean it. I remember when I had this discussion with the Lord years ago with my dad we came to this point, and he said, Bob, I want you to turn now, and I want you to bless your father. I want you to break the power of the curses you have spoken over his life, and I want you to begin to release blessing to him. And I said, hmm, you got me. I, I got nothing to say. I have no good things to say over his life. And he said, well, think about that for a minute. What do you suppose I want to hear you say? What do you think I'm ready to respond to that I can release into his life that would be good? What does he need from me that you can ask me for? And I said, oh, I get it. I've got it. Here it is. Lord, I pray you would bless him with yourself. I pray you would bless him with your presence 
and your influence and your truth and you would encounter him and come into his life in a powerful way so that he sees his true condition and can respond to you. I can bless him with that. And I think anybody can start there. So when we have his heart and we bless this other person with these life-changing desires and we ask God to pour them out on this person so that these abusive actions and behaviors are never visited on anyone ever else again, then we move to this place. We might pray, Lord, give me the grace to renew my mind as I refuse to dwell on the feelings of unforgiveness as they resurface. I want you to know Feelings of unforgiveness will resurface. They'll come back to haunt us and want to reattach themselves. And it is up to us to prepare our hearts for that. And to say, I'll have nothing to do with that. I've moved to a new place. And the unforgiveness is something that's in the past. And these feelings will find no place in my heart. And you might want to pray Jesus' words in his prayer in Matthew 6.10. He said, Father, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my heart, even it is in heaven. I pray this prayer personally all the time. Lord, let your will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. Then you can address the feelings that are still present in the moment. Bring your emotions into alignment with your choice to forgive. Emotions are wonderful servants and terrible masters. I think Bill Johnson said that. We have to subject our emotions by continuing to give ourselves to our choice, our will to forgive. So ask God to cause your emotions to follow on the heels of that choice and give you um, give your will to seeing it through all the way to a victory. And then we finish up with something that moves in this direction. Lord, instead of harboring a stronghold of bitterness, Guide me as I move toward building instead a stronghold of compassion. See, there's an exchange here. I've moved from a stronghold, a um, um, this place of bitterness that's just uh, acti is a incredible demonic activity, and I've set that, put that away, been delivered from that by by agreeing with you in forgiveness. And instead, now let me build something new. Let me build something. It is life-giving. And so I'm going to ask the Lord for a to build something called a stronghold of compassion in my heart. Let me begin to move from this place in my dealings with myself and with others and certainly with my offenders. In other words, guard my heart so that no root of bitterness can spring up again. Hold fast to your decision. This might take some time, so... Just rest with God and keep focused on this process. Bring it back to him time and again and, and be determined to not let that come back on you. If you feel those emotions, set them aside and reassert yourself as you stand before the Lord and ask him to give you what you need in that moment to stand strong. And then we thank God for what he's doing. We may have felt something during this process. We may have felt many times people feel freedom when they've moved through this prayer. And so we may have felt something there, but if you didn't, even if you didn't, I want you to rest to know that God is good. And as we attempt, even in our feeble attempts, as we attempt to agree with him and come into a place of, um, of um, obedience, if you want to call it that, 
God is merciful and he empowers us and he will move through that to help us in this development in our lives. So it's only appropriate that we thank him and be grateful for what is sure to come. He is, after all, your faithful God. Well, I hope this process was helpful. I pray it will be written on your heart and that forgiveness will set you free to live your life as God's new creation. So God bless you and good night to everyone. I hope to see you soon. Good evening. Mm -hmm.